Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. And welcome to the Holderness Family Podcast. A lot of energy. I love it. And I I, love I'm it. bringing it even though I just had one of those great morning allergic attacks. And if you guys ever have those where you sneeze for two and a half minutes without stopping and they get louder and louder and you make weird noises when you sneeze, or is that just me? It's 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 a part of marriage I was unprepared for, but it's great. You're well, doing, I'm sorry. I, no, no, I just, no. You're doing great. Wait a minute. Great. I just realized I apologize for something I have no control over. That's a great segue into what we're going to talk about later today, right? is the theme for the day. First of all, let's do some housekeeping. On our Holderness Family Shop, we've got t-shirts, we've got hats, we've got sticker packs, and we have brand new (laughs) pickleball stickers. So if you're stuck at home with your kids all summer... You can shop our game Family Face-Off also. So this is the selling part of the podcast. We appreciate your support. Yeah. We, we love creating these things. But we have some exciting news about Family Face-Off coming soon. Also, big news. Not big news. We got a lot of emails about our last episode about being sober curious for the summer. So thank you for writing in. A lot of people sent your mocktail suggestions, which we loved. A number of you said you'd love to listen to us explore the journey for with brain health and Alzheimer's prevention. So stay tuned. That might be something we're working on in the fall. Also, you know, never change Facebook. Facebook, there were a lot of comments of why does everything have to have a name right now? Why can't you just say I'm not going to drink as much? I think saying super curious for some people like me, having the language to identify with what I'm going through is very helpful. Yeah, I'm going to defend us as well. I feel like sometimes Facebook, uh, <laughs> first of all, guys. <laughs> never change. We, yeah, never change. We obviously, um, you know, that's our main platform if you look at numbers for us as a family. But it is interesting how the dynamic there can always get interesting. Yeah, you can show a rainbow and, and or with a puppy and there'll be a complaint. Anyway, right, that's puppy, not, yeah. Anyway. If you, if you, if you use a term for it to help get you to a, to, to a, a way that you feel that should be fine. In particular, sober curious, it helped me out because it's, it, I thought sober curious meant at first, like, I'm curious about like doing this for the rest of my life and never having another drink and I'm done, done, done. And I think maybe that's what other people thought too. And they would have to listen to the entire podcast to know that really what it is, is just simply questioning the social construct around alcohol. Right. Right. The fact that like, I'm curious, why is it that I feel the need to do this? And why is it that I feel pressure from other people to do this at the age of 48? Like we're not in high school anymore. What, why is this still happening? There's a lot to unpack there, but yeah. I would like to update. We did go to the beach, which we were both trying to prepare to prepare ourselves because typically you go to the beach for a week. It's your vacation. I mean, I would say, if this time last year when we went, we would have a glass of wine at, at lunch and we would have yeah. one in the evening, maybe two. And we didn't do that. We did. You, If you saw us out there, you may have seen us uh, one night with a glass of wine. Yep. But I would, I was super proud of us that we went days without drinking. Yeah. And then we had a nice dinner. I was like, you know what? I would love a glass of wine. And we did. And But we didn't just knee jerk lean into that. Right. 
And if you saw me with a beer, it's because it was a non-alcoholic beer. Yes. I'm starting to get into those. And uh, for, I don't know that I'll always do those, but right now, um, I, I've always liked the taste of beers and mm-hmm. it goes with food well. It, the beach is a trigger for us. We learned that pretty early on. I think for me, it goes back to before I was 21. Like it goes back to going to the beach with my mom and dad. And we went to this beach house where there was there were no other people. Like you could do whatever you want to. And I think my parents, I don't blame them necessarily for this. I think that they wanted to teach me before I went to college to like build up at least some sort of tolerance because alcohol was going to be there. And I wasn't the kind of person who socially drank mm-hmm. when I was um, in high school. So I think they thought, okay, safe environment with your family. We're going to have a glass of wine with dinner. Well, I think like that habit that started with me in college stayed with me for 20 some years where it just was, if there was alcohol at a meal around, I just ordered it. Yeah. And it didn't seem wrong because your parents did it. Right. Exactly. And since then, you know, there, there have been studies. There've been people who said like the earlier that you subject them to it, like you may not necessarily be helping them by yeah. building up a tolerance at any rate, uh, for all of those reasons at the beach, it just felt like something that naturally we should do. And so unlike a lot of the other things we've been working on or questioning or being curious about, this one was more illuminating than others because it did always feel like there should have been something sitting in my hand and I didn't know why. Again, the term sober curious. Curious. Um, It's so funny. And we'll get off this topic in a second. But our son, because Ben ordered a non-alcoholic beer. And he goes, he's like, Dad, you're like a (laughs) non-alcoholic. And it was a really funny term. Uh, So I do think language is important. Funny story. We were About drinking. About drinking. (laughs) I do feel it is strange that we feel the need to apologize for not drinking. And it got us questioning why do we apologize in life so much? Yeah. You, and there was a, there's something that happened to us on the beach that had nothing to do with alcohol, but had to do with a drink. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this, honey? When we were, yeah. we were at lunch and well, I'm bringing this up because we're going to have a magnificent guest who, by the way, I think she's in Australia. 12 hour right time now. difference. She's a 12 hour time difference. Uh, who's going to talk to us about over apologizing. And I have noticed this with my wife. I have noticed this with some really incredibly successful people in my life who I hear them apologize a lot. And a lot of times it's vocal graffiti. It's just, you know, they'll, they'll be saying something and they'll say, sorry, what I meant was, or when there's the slightest inconvenience, you just hear them quickly saying, sorry. And I have heard you do it as well. When we were, when we were at the beach, you seemed to be apologetic about the fact that you accidentally spilled some meat in your club soda. <laughs> well, I was grabbing an appetizer, a bite of an appetizer, you know, like this shrimp appetizer, and it dropped, a part of it dropped in my drink. Right. And I, I felt so bad asking for a new one and th- that I would inconvenience the server. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I kept, and she's like, dude, it's my job. I don't care. It'd be my pleasure to get you a new drink. I'm like, I'm, I deserve this. I deserve a terrible shrimp filled drink. This is my shame. <laughs> and it really, and then all of a sudden I became more aware of how often I apologize. I went to the grocery store and the way the aisles are set up is, you know, you, there's one person standing looking at, you know, garbanzo beans and they're trying to find the brand they want. And to get past them, you have to walk in front of them. Instead of saying, excuse me, pardon me, or, you know, or just walking by, I apologize. I'm like, sorry, sorry. And I was trying to count how many times I apologized in the grocery store. And I lost count because anytime I passed anybody, I was apologizing as if to say, I am so sorry that I'm here and taking up space in your world. And it was really overwhelming to, and I needed to unpack why I keep apologizing. And we're going to get to this with a professional pretty soon. But do you think part of it is because sorry has become leveraged by polite people just to get through a situation? Like we we live in the South where people are always being polite around each other. I've heard that this also happens in the Midwest, that there's a lot of just almost vocal graffiti apologizing going on around just a situation to try to be polite. Uh, But... It, it's probably the wrong word for it, particularly when you consider that a real apology when, <laughs> when needed is very important. 
And it seems like we're not really apologizing for the right things. According to a YouGov 2023 survey, one quarter, about 24% of Americans say they apologize for things outside of their control, at least daily, including 11% who say they do this several times a day. I mean, I do this probably a thousand times a day. Studies also show that the average person says, I'm sorry, eight to 10 times a day. Hmm. That averages more to more than 3,000 apologies a year. I would say I, I take apologize. The over. Yeah, I would say personally, I take the over on that. You know when I apologize and I don't know why? I apologize at rock concerts for being tall. Well, that's because you're inconveniencing somebody by being tall. But I can't, I think to, to point out what you just said, I have no control over that. I can't, why am I apologizing for being tall? I'm tall. Well, that I understand a little bit more because you, you can say, I am sorry that I may be obstructing your view. I'm going to try my, my best. And if you do that, like if you're a one and done, I think that's, Probably. Well, and we should talk to the expert. Let's do that. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Pen, you know I'm always looking for a snack that's both nutritious and tasty. Both a little snacky, yes. Uh, but of course, the healthy stuff tastes like sand, and the stuff that tastes good isn't healthy, right? Not IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are a quick, low-carb option that I love to grab for my midday slump. So start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body-boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. Get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today, our listeners get an exclusive offer for 20% off plus free shipping. Just text Holderness to 64000, which is 64000. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMO, and artificial sweeteners. Plus, they're packed with high-quality ingredients to keep you physically and mentally fit. And they have a bunch of delicious flavors like chocolate sea salt, which is my favorite, peanut butter chip, and wild blueberry. Don't forget over 10,000 five-star reviews and counting. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix Sticks, and four IQ Joe Sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text HOLDERNESS to 64000. Get your discount. Text HOLDERNESS to 64000. That's HOLDERNESS to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This show is sponsored by Care Of. Pen. The birds are singing. Mm -hmm. The the buds are on the tree. Yes. Winter is finally turning into spring. Yeah, you're a big fan of the spring. And you know, I also love the sun finally coming out from hiding. And you know me. The cold weather just wreaks havoc on my skin, my energy levels, everything. And that is why you've... Kim, you've been trying the Care Of Vitamin Packs? Yep, they have these daily packs that you can take on the go, like ceramides, which help reinforce your skin's protective barrier, and iron for energy levels. Yeah, it's awesome because all you do to get started is take a short online quiz about your lifestyle and your health goals, and Care Of will give you doctor-backed recommendations. And they ship high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. And something new at Care Of, if you're not yet ready to subscribe to monthly packs, some of their best-selling vitamins are now also available in bottles. For 50% off your first Care Of subscription order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code HOLDERNESS50. That's 50% off your first Care Of subscription order at TakeCareOf.com and use code HOLDERNESS50. We invited award-winning leadership strategist and global peak performance consultant to Fortune 500's Sade Zarai to talk to us about what our sorries really mean and what to say instead. Sade Zarai is a former commercial lawyer that transitioned to an award-winning behavioral strategist, a best-selling author, Harvard-trained leadership coach, TEDx speaker, and recognized as one of the top 50 most impactful people of LinkedIn. 
She helps people confidently take charge of their life and career, overcome self-limits, and create a future they're excited about. This is the part I think I'm most excited about. Uh-huh. She's a three-time Australian champion Latin dancer. Oh. So, I mean, salsa lessons, maybe we can, that's a separate podcast. Yeah. Uh, her and her husband's mission is to empower people to overcome their self-limits and confidently create a life worth living. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. It's so wonderful to be here. Well, you you know how when you go to a uh, stand-up comedy concert or any sort of convention, they always give an award to the person who traveled the farthest yes. to be there? Um, you are winning the Holderness Family Podcast Award for the farthest away <laughs> we've ever done an interview. You are currently in Koh Samui, Thailand. Yes, we are. Oh. And I hear you have a connection with the place as well. I did. My brother got married there. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. The funniest thing about it was flying back out. I asked the, the woman on the plane which way we're going. And she said, it doesn't matter because it's literally on the other side of the planet. So to get to New York, you can go honestly in any direction Either you direction. want to. And you're yeah. going to get there eventually. So that's you couldn't be any farther away unless you were in space, I think. Okay, can I? so we're <laughs> going to get to this important stuff when we're talking about over-apologizing and what we should say instead. But I want to know, how did you end up in Thailand? And then how do we get to go there yeah. and move there? Oh, yeah. well, let's start with the second question first. How do you get here? Anytime, guys. Yeah. House is always open. You're always welcome to come back. Um, How did we end up here? So I'll give you the nutshell version of our story. Back in 2020, we were in Melbourne, Australia at the time. It was just before the whole world was thrust into these lockdowns because of the pandemic. I just finished a 10-year corporate career and my husband and I had the plan to relocate to Southeast Asia. Mm. Now we were thinking of Bali at that time because we'd been and we loved it and we thought, wonderful. It's closer to the rest of the world because Australia is a little geographically isolated. We had a lot of international clients. So it just made sense. One week between when I left my corporate career and when we were meant to be flying to Bali, the whole world was thrust into this uncertainty. And so then we ended up in what was one of the world's longest lockdown cities, which Mm. was Melbourne. In any case, we had a lot of time to think. We reevaluated, reassessed, and then decided on Koh Samui, which is a fantastic place because it's beautiful. It's also closer to the rest of the world. And it's given us what we're looking for, which is really the ability to have the balance, Mm. to remind ourselves of what's really important to get out of the big cities, which we think can make you a little morally corrupt sometimes just because of everything going on and the consumerism. Uh, But it's it's been a wild ride, Mm. really wild ride. It it takes guts to kind of uh, make a big change like that. So good for you. Yeah, thank you. We're so glad we did it. A lot of people share, how can you leave everything and how scary? But it's one of those things you've got to, if there's something you want to do, you just have to do it. Silence the voices that are pointing out all the what ifs, make it happen. And then if you decide it's not for you, you just change course and go another direction. I know. I, it, Penn and I talk longingly about kids. We have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old. And when they, I feel like we are in the position, we, we love the city we live in and we have a great community here, which is very important. But we talk very longingly about what life will look like when we're empty nesters. And we get very excited mm. about what the possibilities are. So maybe we're in, I mean, maybe the, we're podcasting from Bali in a few years, babe. Or Koh Samui, or, or Koh anywhere. Samui. Well, we, you can be anywhere. Yes. We have proof here. I mean, she looks quite put together and has a nice microphone <laughs> and is literally on the other side of the planet. So this is Technology proof that works. we can do this. There's not a lag. It sounds like she's in the other room. So yeah. I am very impressed with uh, Zoom at this point. All right. So well, let's, you know what's really interesting? Yeah. yeah. Just super quickly. Yeah. One of the reasons why we love this place is the internet is 10 times faster than we ever got in Australia. Stop. So that's one of the perks. Okay. Who would have thought? Yeah. And just to let you both know, so I, I actually had been following the Holderness family on Facebook years ago when the kids were really, really young. Yeah. Because naturally, your content was everywhere. And so I actually feel like I'm speaking to old family friends. It's Aww. really special to actually have come full circle and to be here with you and to, to see the kids are now grown up. It's amazing. They are. One of them is driving a car. I know. She, uh, now it, we can be doing this and say, hey, can you take the other one to I know, his it's crazy. thing? And it actually happens so our world has become different from that specific uh perspective anyway um we brought you on to talk about over apologizing <laughs> and we're going to talk about a lot of things obviously but yeah we you know in the setup to this i talked about how you know i'm in the grocery store and i'm passing people by and i'm just like sorry 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 i find i probably say sorry and i apologize for my very existence like 20 times a day but 
is it is it harmful actually is there a problem with saying sorry sorry a lot i mean on the surface you'd want to take some accountability for being you know misbehaving or something like that but is there a problem with saying sorry too much it's one of those things, you know, apologizing is great. We need to take ownership when we've done something wrong, when we've hurt someone else or inconvenienced someone else. As you say, though, when it becomes this compulsive need that you have or this compulsive default where you're not even thinking about it and you say, sorry, 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 this overuse of apology can be quite damaging. And it's for a number of reasons. The first one is when you tend to be an over-apologizer, it kind of permeates various aspects of your life, professionally, personally, at the grocery store, at work. And so when you're doing it in professional environments and you're continually apologizing, sorry I'm late, sorry for the delay, sorry if this is a silly idea, what happens is that you are undermining your credibility without realizing it, again, when it's overused. Mm -hmm. So on the one side, it can actually undermine your respect and your credibility. The flip side, though, is also from a, an inner perspective, what it does to us. What we know from a lot of the research is when we tend to over-apologize, it's actually reflecting a deep sense of inadequacy or a sense of guilt or shame or that we don't deserve to be where we are. And that, you know, when we continually do that, we're just perpetuating this state of not feeling like we are of value. Mm -hmm. and, and it's fascinating to think that this act of, this seemingly harmless act of just sorry, mm -hmm. can actually reflect much deeper personal challenges that people have. What sorts of people struggle with this the most? There is, so when we look at the research around who experiences over-apologizing, typically we find women mm -hmm. tend to experience this more. And there's a number of reasons for that. One of them is if we look at socialization and how women are uh, conditioned over the years from when they're young, Young girls are often rewarded for cooperation and playing nice and painting each other's nails, whereas young boys are often rewarded for bravery and risk-taking and tumbling down the hill, even if they're doing it solo. Mm -hmm. So even from a young age, we see how it plays out in children. Mm -hmm. And then this gets reinforced over time. And of course, as adults, we're still managing or dealing with uh, stereotypes that people may have and that they're imposing upon us, depending on whether we're, you know, what gender we are. So that's one side. The other side is also just because so um, I started in this space, I actually started working primarily with women. Mm -hmm. When I first left the corporate world, I was actually supporting women in professional environments looking to advance their careers. And a lot of these women were saying, oh gosh, I'm an over-apologizer, help me. You know, we call it uh, saying sorry syndrome. Mm -hmm. It's just Ooh. this compulsive thing. I used to be one of them, the triple okay. S. But then a lot of men on our social media channel, uh, channel started reaching out saying, well, I actually experienced this too, but there's nowhere, there's nowhere for me to share that because it's not really socially accepted for mm. a male to experience that or to talk about it. So we found that it's quite a common experience across the board. So are you, I think as a woman, when I'm apologizing, I am doing it because I feel this, if I were to really unpack it, I don't want to inconvenience people. So that's a little bit of I'm a people pleaser and I don't want you to go, you know, if the server brings the wrong order by accident, I'm going to apologize to this person profusely and say, I'm so sorry. And first of all, probably I won't, I, I, I probably wouldn't send it back, first of all. But if I were to, I would say, I'm so sorry. I probably said something wrong. I would probably try to take that because I don't want to inconvenience people. But then, yeah, there's this like this this way I'm trying to not take up space and I really do want to kick this habit. So what should I be saying instead in these circumstances that a, a true apology isn't necessary? And that's beautifully how you said it, right? So it's, it's where a true apology isn't necessary, but you still want to be considerate and kind yeah. and courteous. And that's where it's coming from. I completely resonate with this because I'm the same. If, if I get uh, the wrong order brought, I'm like, it's fine. I'll just deal with it. I'll just pull aside. <laughs> I'll just have my, aller allergic my allergic reaction. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, so I completely resonate. The way to think about it is, okay, where does it come from? You, you mentioned Kim, it's because of your desire to make sure everyone's okay and they're happy and that brings you joy. So there's a really beautiful motive and intent. Mm. So then what we need to do is flip how we're approaching it. We're defaulting to a sorry and apology, taking ownership and responsibility for something that we don't need to. How do we still have the same outcome of being this beautiful thing while actually lifting somebody else up rather than 
dropping our status because essentially what an apology is is i'm going to lower my status mm. so that you don't feel like that you know you haven't done anything wrong and that's what we're doing we're right. lowering status so how do we then not lower our status but elevate someone else mm. this is where we flip from apology to appreciation now what that means is think about what is it that 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 server for example using that example what is it that the server would be doing by taking your dish back and doing it again well you can say i want to thank you so much in advance for understanding or I want to thank you for your patience. I really appreciate you doing this for me. So you're highlighting the thank you, the appreciation, and it works even better if you can pinpoint the positive qualities of that person. Mm. So let's say, Pensar, you were going to say yeah. something. You just apologized, by I the way. I just apologized. Oh, no, but that, no, but oh, let, let's let her finish. You can know example. all of this. Yeah. No, I, you, I want you to keep going. <laughs> Well, I was, it was funny. I was going to say, you can know all of this and then yeah. still have these deeply ingrained yeah. defaults and still default into them. So, you know, when it comes to, for example, when we apologize, it can be a little thing like, oh, you brought me the wrong order. Or it can be, I'm sorry, I'm being so emotional right now. Or I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. Or I'm sorry, this didn't make sense. We're highlighting inadequacy. Mm-hmm which is not helpful for how we feel. It's actually not helpful for the relationship. It actually makes things a little awkward and we're lowering status. Mm -hmm. So in those environments, let's say you are sharing a lot, you know, you're being overly talkative rather than highlighting the deficiency. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. You think, well, what is it that this other person is demonstrating by listening right now? Thank you so much for being so patient with me. Mm. Thank you so much for listening to me as I share this with you. I'm really passionate about this. And you can see how just by going from, sorry, I'm talking too much, which makes it about you and lowers your status and also doesn't feel, Does it feel great? great in terms no. of, yeah. it doesn't feel great when we Does do it that. Feel good? Because again, we're lowering our status. We're elevating the other person when we say, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. You know, one of the things I love is how as adults, we operate very similarly to children. We're just a little bit more developed. Our brains are slightly more developed. When it comes to kids, when you're trying to guide their behavior, you don't generally want to highlight the behavior you don't want to see. So you don't mm -hmm. say, Johnny, stop being so noisy, because often Johnny will hear the word noisy and he'll want to live up to yeah. the word noisy. And so you don't have the right effect. You highlight the behavior you want to see. Johnny, thank you so much for using your inside voice. Mm -hmm. Johnny then wants to live up to that standard that you've given him. And that's the power of actually highlighting the positive virtues, the qualities, the attributes in the other person and acknowledging it. So much of this comes down to semantics, right? I, I do think I, I'm when I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm not really even apologizing sometimes. It's just the way I start a conversation when it's uncomfortable, right? So I don't know if I'm lowering my ego or my status consciously or even if I am at all, but it just seems like the way that we've set up conversations, it's always with apologizing. The other two, I'm sitting here thinking, well, what are some other two things I could say? One of them is pardon me, and one of them is excuse me, and both of them are basically apologies. Mm -hmm. Pardon me means I've done something wrong, I need you to pardon me. And excuse me means I need you to come up with an excuse for something that I just did wrong. Why is that such an important part of our language? Is it, I mean, I, I, I heard it a lot in Monty Python in like British humor back in the day. And I live in the South where every Everyone is just trying to be polite all the time. I've heard that Midwesterners do it a lot as well. Why? Habit. Yeah. A lot of the time it's just habit. We see people doing it and then we do it. Yeah. And then it just becomes a part of how we do things. Interestingly, you highlighted that it does vary depending on where people live. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for example, if we look at region from a country perspective, we know that people in Britain, typically apologize 50% more than people in the US. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wow. Sorry. And then also Sorry. people in Japan, there is in their language, they have an equivalent of a sorry, but not the real apology sorry, just that, oh, sorry. And actually something that I know women do a lot is if you happen to be, it tends to always happen when you're using a public restroom. Oh. If you're opening the door and someone else is there, there is an, oh, sorry. There's always an, oh, before the sorry. And I find it hilarious because once you become aware of it, you notice it everywhere. I And Penn, to your point, oh, apologies, go for it. <laughs> apology. Well, I'm so sorry. I was, I was just going to say, I was just going to apologize <laughs> and feel bad for about what just happened. Like me, I just apologize. Yeah, I think in meetings, and so now there are a lot of them are on Zoom, but we, when we had more face-to-face -face meetings, I found that women would apologize or discount their idea before presenting it, saying, uh, 
I'm sorry, this is probably a stupid idea, but, and then give a brilliant idea. And so if you use that first part of the sentence to kind of sandbag what you're about to say, it won't be, if, if it isn't an idea or concept that people end up using or agreeing with, because you've already apologized for it, it makes the sting not as bad maybe. But once I noticed that, and it was only women, no men ever said, this is probably a stupid idea. Um, once I noticed that in the language, I um, got pretty fired up. So I've tried to break that habit in a professional setting. That's great to hear. And you know, a big part of it is just awareness. Mm-hmm. Once you become aware of it, you can start to cut yourself out. And like me, I still default into it sometimes, but I'm always thinking, okay, what is this reflecting? Why am I saying this? Around the idea of prefacing what you're going to say, again, very common with women. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, it typically happens in professional environments, usually when there are a lot of men around the table. Mm -hmm. And when we start looking at the experience that women have in these male dominated spaces, there's there's something called the the double bind for women, it's the likability competence challenge. And what we know is that the exact same behavior from a male versus a female in a work environment is perceived differently by people. And how we know this is there have been studies, there's a classic study that was uh, conducted by two Columbia University professors. And what they did with their classes is they gave them a Harvard Business Review case study on Heidi Royson, who was an accomplished Silicon Valley venture capitalist, former Apple executive, really talented businesswoman. One group got the original study about Heidi. The other group got exactly the same study, but they changed the name from Heidi to Howard. Mm. So suddenly they're reading a case study about someone who they believe is a man. Everything else is the same. Now, what was interesting is both groups uh, rated both Heidi and Howard as equally competent. Mm -hmm. However, the group that got the Howard article described him as a titan of industry, a great guy, someone I'd love to work with. Mm. Those who received the Heidi article described her as power hungry, Mm self-serving, someone I definitely don't want to work for. Mm -hmm. These are exactly the same facts. Now, granted, that study was however many decades ago, but these stereotypes are still within us. The really other interesting thing about that study is that those uh, stereotypes or those biases were also held by female students. It wasn't just male students. So even if we think we are free of bias, we've had this uh, conditioned within us for so long Mm -hmm. that we often just become part of the, I don't want to say part of the problem, but essentially part of the problem because we've got these blinkers on. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. We all have these blind spots. Mm -hmm. So it's so important as well to have conversations like this, to also help your friends, your coworkers, anyone who you notice who actually, this is kind of going into the competency space. Mm -hmm. The one piece of guidance I would give to women, it's not only women, we also know that any minority might Mm -hmm. face this. Don't fall into a stereotype or rather it's called a stereotype threat. Mm-hmm. Where simply by knowing that about women, about how women are perceived a certain way, some women will then make it a reality by really conforming to being a very warm and kind. And I just want to share this idea, and I hope this is okay, mm-hmm. because they're afraid of how people will perceive them. So doing it in a productive and that's only way. Going to, yeah, doing it in a productive way and making sure that you don't allow the risk of something to impact your behavior. Be true to who you are. Have authenticity. Balance what we call warmth and competence. Yeah. All right. So when you, yeah, I mean, I could go on for, no, 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 I want you to go on, but I, but I want to, I want to narrow this down to almost like a script. We're script people. When we do, uh, when we do counseling, which we do, um, we need to know the exact words to be said. So when you're trying to be productive and try to improve someone, you know, point something out, what is the way to do that without apologizing? If you notice somebody's behavior, yeah. yeah, If you notice somebody's behavior, how in a kind way do you, you know, help them change this language. I love that you're script people. I'm a framework person. So I'm going to give you a framework and then we'll work with that and create a script. Okay. So you need, we need to be calling out behavior from a place of love. We want people to improve and we want relationships to improve. So we need to come at it from the perspective of I'm sharing this with you because I love you in a, you know, platonic kind of sense. And I want to see you grow. So you start with I, an I statement. I feel I've noticed. Mm -hmm. When you start with an I statement, you're framing it up and people can't really, um, they can't argue with an I statement because it's, it's opinion. It's, it's what your experience is. I feel uncomfortable 
for example. The next step, so I statement is first, next step is when you, you need to get really specific with the behavior that you've seen. One of the challenges a lot of people have when it comes to addressing behavior or even giving feedback is it's very general. Mm -hmm. You're not punctual or you're not respectful or without giving a concrete example, it's really difficult for people to know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I feel I've noticed when you spoke over me or when you've spoken over me in the last three meetings, and I would like is part three, or and I would prefer, where you actually specify what you want instead. We often forget that part. We just call out the behavior. And then without moving on to what you'd like to see, it becomes a little bit confrontational. Mm -hmm. I feel disrespected when you talk over me. Uh, you know, uh, where do you go from there? So this way, it's I feel I feel unheard when you don't allow me to speak. And I would like us to have a really productive and fruitful relationship. How can we make that happen? So you end with a question which invites the other person back into the conversation. And this way, you've got this beautiful framework to help you address what's happening. It actually comes from Marshall Rosenberg's work. Uh, Marshall Rosen, gosh, now I'm blanking on the last <laughs> name. I think it's Rosenberg. Nonviolent communication. Uh -huh. And it's beautiful. It's, it's a lot of work that they do with, uh, in therapy and relationship therapy with couples, but it also translates into the world of work and actually in any sphere. If we can know how to address things, then we don't need to be afraid of conflict anymore. We can work through that framework and really improve our relationships. I would say uh, when we were in the thick of uh, marriage counseling, we identified our fight styles. I am definitely somebody who traditionally, I came to this relationship, if we were in conflict, I would just, I would pull the ripcord, meaning I would just inflate the parachute and just want to get out of the situation. I would walk out, slam the door, go for a walk. And it would take me a while to just, I just didn't want to be around it. And then Penn would apologize. Profusely. Profusely. Even to if, get out of the fight. To get out of the fight. And I have to say, it, was, it worked great for me. Um, but it, it wasn't productive because we never got to the core of what it was. Because sometimes I was being the a-hole and I needed to take accountability. But he was just so... He, he's very kind and loving and he just wanted it to be over. So he would over apologize. So we had to do this. I had to say, you know, with the help of our counselor, you know, it makes me feel, I forget how we phrased it, but I, it was an I statement. Like you aren't ready to tackle the big issues in our relationship when you just instantly apologize. Mm -hmm. I would love to actually have a deeper, more meaningful discussion. So we don't keep having these same fights over and over again. So it's now my goal to stay in the fight and advocate for myself. Here's the thing. I really liked it when he apologized and it was just over. Well, I, I, I didn't love it when you walked away and completely refused to apologize yeah. or admit anything. And I do want to ask the question just in general. And I, I'm now that I've changed my style, why is it so much harder for us to apologize to the ones that we love than it is to people that we run into on the way out of the bathroom stall? So what a wonderful question. And I would say it's because we feel so much when it's those we love. Their words can touch us and cut us the deepest yeah. when it's the, the ones we love. And that's why our emotional reactions can be so large when it's the ones we love. They also know us the best, so they know the buttons to push, even if they're not doing it intentionally. They know our deepest insecurities, even if they're not intentionally calling them out. So that's why we often experience a complete amygdala hijack. Mm -hmm. So amygdala hijack is when this fear center in the brain completely takes over. You feel this complete rush of emotion. Pen, your style is, okay, overloaded with emotion. Let's talk. Let's hug. We need to resolve this. Kim, yours is, okay, I need a break. Let me go. And they're conflicting styles. And it's wonderful that you work through the process of, okay, how do we bring those together? Because you can see how with those two styles, they seem incompatible. And if you're not addressing them, then one person is left ruminating inside. What did I do wrong? How do I fix this? And the other one's off walking. And then you can actually grow apart. Mm -hmm. So it's so wonderful that you've, you're have you actively working on. And I genuinely believe marriage is about, actually any relationship is about finding a way to understand how to best work with the other person. That's what it's about. Communicate, respect, uh, integrity, loyalty, but fundamentally, how do we get the best out of each other, especially in those really heated moments? 
It's especially when we, the, you know, the front part of our brain is not even working. Essentially it's been cut off. It's all emotion. Right. We talk about this in our book. There is a time in a fight when you say, I can't even speak to you right now. And it, it is a, a scientific fact that when you get in a fight, you activate a lot of those flight or fight, uh, reactions in your body where like the broke up part of your brain that controls speech actually stops working. So it's a lot about what you're, you're saying as well. And it is interesting how a lot of our uh, marriage therapy is it's in um, symbiosis and almost parallel to a lot of this over apologizing um, theory that you're giving us. We had started this recording. We had talked, we had just done a podcast a bit being sober curious and just being, and, and people were rejecting the fact that we needed a name for it. We're, I do feel like having a name for something for me is helpful. And so just because you have language and awareness around something you're working on and a curiosity. So just now, just in the past few weeks, getting curious about my habit of over apologizing and trying to notice it and really unpack why, and I know why Penn asked that question, why I apologize 20 times a day to st strangers, but then if he and I get into conflict, I don't. It, I, 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 and it's, I, I, it's very hard for me to admit, he's laughing because this just happened like two days ago. It's hard for me to admit that I'm wrong and to take accountability and he's my favorite person so it's very it's um we probably need to call the old counselor up but it, 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 it I'm is guilty of it too like yeah. I, i've gotten you've asked me to be more guilty of it right to like stand my <laughs> ground more and now it, it it does yeah we well of course we need to tune up everyone needs to tune up yeah um but it is very it's very strange how comfortable i am apologizing to a stranger and yet in this my most important relationship I'm like, yes, I am sorry for, and I absolutely should be apologizing. I was a dick. So. <laughs> Is it, do you find it's just in the moment that you struggle with the apology yes. or also later down the track when you've had time to think and rationalize? No, I, it, honey, he's giving, he's, uh, no, you, I, I'm about to say, I'm about to agree with her. I think you get, it improves itself over time. I, yeah. yes, I think I'm very self-aware to uh, so i think that's actually a bonus but i get when i get upset and in that sort of amygdala hijack or whatever you called it it is a flood of cortisol that i would say perhaps it was modeled at some point to just lose your ish and i'm trying not to lose my ish and so it, I literally will just stop talking because in my brain, I'm like, if you say what you want to say right now, it's wrong, what you're about to say. But I do like my instinct is to just bring out the knife and go straight for the heart. And I know my words carry and I know I don't mean them. So I just go quiet And where he can process very quickly if he's like, it, you know, we had a goof uh, last week where he accidentally brought my keys with him somewhere and I needed my car keys. He was instantly uh, so apologetic and, 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 and it was over because what are you going to do? But it was interesting because I didn't instantly go into forgiveness mode. I'm like, I'm going to need a minute to be annoyed. And we just, I'm like, I just need a minute. I just need a minute. So it just takes me a while. But, but once I get there, we are, we are undefeated in taking advice from people and turning it into marriage therapy. I know. Thank you for coming we from are Thailand so to be my marriage counselor. We are good at this. <laughs> I haven't really done much. You, you've had the last floor for a little while. It's been fantastic to watch. And you know, I actually think it's wonderful that you are so self-aware about your styles and also that you're taking the steps that you need in that moment to do what you need to do to self-regulate. Because the other thing is we're not all cookie cutter the same. Right. Some of us are able to process much more quickly and have a desire to resolve immediately and others need the time to cool down and rationalize and think. And part of self-regulation and emotional intelligence is knowing what you need, communicating what you need, and then going and doing what you need so that you can come back. It's just called, it's an amygdala timeout essentially. Yeah. 
And so one thing that we found really helpful is also communicating it, saying, can I take five minutes now to process that and process what you've said so I can come back and we can have a productive conversation about it? Yeah. And that can be really effective because then you're communicating to the other person, hey, I'm not in the right state. Let me take some time. Yeah. And then we'll come back as opposed to just leaving. Yeah. Because then the just leaving is, oh, no, yeah. well, you know, that can cause a lot of anxiety for both parties. So learning, and, you know, we learning the right way to yes. give feedback. Does that also keep you from just superficially apologizing as much? Does that does your brain kind of retrain itself at the same time? It can. So if your tendency, so the first step is self-awareness. If your tendency is just to over-apologize, generally, if you're over-apologizing, the apology doesn't have much weight. It's a mm. default. You say it before you've even really thought about things because right. it's just easier to get it over and done with. But once you have the self-awareness, you will start to catch yourself out and then self-correct. Mm. The next step is, okay, how can I really address this? If this is a behavioral issue or I need to call something out, let me work through this three-step process to raise the issue and see if we can have a conversation. But those two things often don't happen immediately after each other. Something will happen. There is a gap. And that's when you choose what's best. If your state, you know, if you're managing your state and you feel like you can think about things clearly, go ahead, move on to step number two. One thing I would recommend though, always, always, is when you're moving into the, okay, I'm gonna address this situation here and now, you might be ready the other person may not be. Mm. And that's why we can never make assumptions and say, I'm ready, so I'm going to do this because they may be, you know, they may still be going through their amygdala hijack and their uh, intense cortisol rush through their body. So what's really helpful is to have a check-in question beforehand. Do you have five minutes on you now for us to discuss what just happened? Mm -hmm. And then you hold back and let that person answer. Now, this is much more powerful than just asking them a question. It's re-engaging them into the discussion, but also increasing what's called autonomy. They have a choice mm -hmm. to either choose to have the conversation now or to hold off and have it later. And in a situation where there's been a conflict, often what happens is one party will feel like they didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And that's why they are reacting so strong. Mm -hmm. Their emotional reaction is such a big one because they felt like they didn't have a choice. So you're bringing that back. That uh, need for autonomy is a deep-seated psychological need that we have. Mm -hmm. And so simply asking that question, and it applies for marriage, you know, giving feedback mm -hmm. in marriage, or in the workplace when you're giving feedback to a colleague or a team member, you allow them to have some degree of control over when, which also means they're going to tell you, yes, now is great, or no, let's do it tomorrow at this time. That, is, that person's then taking ownership of their journey so that they know how long they need or what they need to be in the right state to hear it. Because mm -hmm. the worst thing is, Kim, can I give you some feedback? Please. <laughs> how do you feel? Yeah, I'm oh, like- Oh, really? You're open to it? No, I'm, I have to say, no, that, that is my trained like response. I'm like, yes, please give me- in, But I'm in a safe setting here. So yeah. if you uh -huh. said, can I give you some feedback? I'd be like, I I've asked for it. I've asked you to be here in a work setting or in a relationship mm. setting, no, I am backed into a corner. And I say yes, but but that is not, I don't, that, but that's just me, I'm an Enneagram one, I'm a perfectionist, so feedback instantly, I've, I've had to retrain myself, I've done a lot of work on this, because feedback is not a bad thing, feedback comes out of the place of love, but I think I've done something wrong. Well, it should come out of the place of love. It should. It should. Yes. If somebody's offering me feedback, it, they're, they're caring enough to give me feedback as I've had to retrain myself. But I would say even because we we work together and I'll write in years past, you know, I'd write a script and, you know, we have, you know, a lovely team of people and Anne-Marie helps us write and, and Penn and Anne-Marie be like, ah, that's actually not funny. And, you know, you hit delete. And I used to be take that with great offense. And now I take it as, oh, you're right. Thank you for that. That could have been made better. So I'm, I'm working on that. We're, it's, we're working. I think you're, I think you're actually, we are all working yeah. progress. Yeah. This has been useful. Thank you for, thank you for the framework. I think yes. that's really important. You're very welcome. Um, thank you for also connecting the dots between the, just the random kind of almost, uh, involuntary apologizing and connecting the dots to when it really actually matters. I think those are, you have to address both of those in order for this to work out. Um, where can people where, find yeah, you? Yeah, where other, can, besides going to Thailand, how can people yeah, find what's you? What's an easier way for people to find you? 
than going to Koh Samui. Like, what's where? Well, where Koh Samui's first choice. It's always, amazing. Always, yes. but, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, to find me, so I've actually created a five sorries to avoid and what to say instead for people who like the frameworks, like the scripts. So you can, uh, anyone listening is able to grab a copy of that at shadezarai.com slash sorry. Super easy, shadezarai.com slash sorry. And then that will give the five most common sorries that we hear and what to say instead. Also, I'm on social media, regularly sharing bite-sized tips to help with confidence, clarity, uh, tips to help you elevate your performance at work, your credibility, all the fun stuff. Okay, spell your name so people, uh, we'll put it in the show notes as well, but spell your name so people when they're searching can find you. Perfect. Uh, S-H-A-D-E-Z-A-H-R-A-I. I love the Z. I love a Z. Oh yeah, love Thank the Z. Z is Z. I for forgot I'm speaking to American. No, Z is it's no, all good. better. Um, Z is better. Last question: Where can we find your webcam? You look like a supermodel, and uh, we uh, look like well, there's an, I look like a morning troll. No, with, I, with I was like, Ben, don't look yeah. at me this Kim, morning. You look great. Yeah, you look amazing, babe. <laughs> Thank you. You look. Amazing. This is all my my husband has done the full setup. It's your so husband. Absolutely okay. amazing. We're going to reach out to your me, husband shortly, yes. and we're going to get the lighting situation <laughs> and everything else so that this we look better. This has been yeah. such a joy. I can't wait to meet in person. I vote we meet in person on a beach. Yeah, and I agree. Well, there's plenty of them here, so yeah. please come along. Come come on down come <laughs> to the other side of the planet. Come on over. No, uh, you literally can yeah. burrow through the center of the earth and come back out. You could. And you're in Thailand. Yeah. It's yeah. the exact let's, let's opposite try. side of, yeah. Um, thank you so much. Thank you both. It's been such a treat to be here. Shade was amazing and you should totally check her on social media. Again, uh, we woke up to do this early, so we started hitting record at 7.30. I woke up at 6.30 and did absolutely nothing to myself. She looks like a Miss Universe contestant in the best possible way. And I, um, we had a different vibe going on uh, physically. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. We have, uh, our lighting is terrible. We have too much light. We're wearing hats. And also we need Head to have showered. something behind us that isn't a reflective white yeah, okay. Film against, she, like, I want to yeah. redo our background. But I'm not going to apologize for it. No, I'm not going to, about how awesome we look. Uh, Most people gonna, can't yeah. even see us. So here's a little challenge I would like those listening to participate in. Just really be aware and get curious about how often you're apologizing and why you're doing it. And if, if you have my issue, which is you apologize to perfect strangers, but not your spouse, I'd love to hear. And I love to get your messages. The past few podcasts, you guys have been sending us such great messages uh, on Instagram. You can find us at the Holderness family. You can send us an email. Anyway, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. You ended with gratitude. Good for you. Yeah. You learned something. I'm sorry you had to listen to no. this. No. Bye. Thank you guys. We love you.